Hey everyone, and welcome back to Country Music Made Me. Thank you so much for joining us once again. As always, please be sure to like, share, follow, subscribe to us wherever you are listening. You can leave us a review, a rating, tell your friends, your family, your neighbors to come on over and have a listen. That support is huge. Today, we are joined by Cassie Joy. Now, throughout her life, music has been the focus. It started with country music when she was young. It switched to pop for a couple of years. And then in high school, it was focused on rock. But following graduation from university, it switched back to country music. And in 2015, she made the move to Nashville to pursue it as a career. In 2017, she had a big break while competing on The Voice. And ever since then, she has been building and recording music and touring and doing whatever she can to build up a career in country music. Now, we had a fun time talking about the journey and the family that has supported her all the way along. So please enjoy our conversation with Cassie Joy. Home, which home are you in? Because you currently are on the road in a home, are you not? That is a great question. <laughs> um, yeah, we we do live full time out of our bus, but right now we winterized it because we didn't have any gigs where we thought we were going to be utilizing it with gas prices and everything. You know, sometimes we're like, let's not fill a 150 gallon tank. And so we um, have been staying with my parents in Kansas City whenever we're in this area. And then um, we've got friends in Nashville that we can stay with if we don't want to bring the bus with us. So, oh, okay. Yeah. Great question. <laughs> yeah. Like you recently sold your home. You did have a home in Nashville that you were renting out while you were living in the RV. You recently sold that house. So, what feelings were attached to that? Was it excitement because you were no longer, you no longer had that backup or was there fear because you no longer had that backup? Um, you know, it was, I think more excitement, um, a lot of shock because it was just, <laughs> you know, it was really exciting to get to just sell something and then not have to immediately throw it back into you know, something else. So we got really lucky there. Um, and I honestly really love the, the bus lifestyle. I love the kind of smaller quarters. You can, it gets messy fast, but it gets clean just as quick. <laughs> right. And you know, it's, it's just a really fun, totally different lifestyle where it's like, you know, just put wheels on your home and take it wherever you want. And now home is where you park it. <laughs> And you bought the RV in 2019 and then of course, 2020 happened. So during 2020, was it a blessing to have that and to be mobile on the road? It really was at first, um, you know, when lockdown started, we, you know, that was right when we had purchased the bus and got rid of our home and, you know, it probably would have been better to do lockdown in a home that we had just had. Um, but, um, you know, once, once lockdown kind of lifted, we had the ability to take the bus to campgrounds, which was one of the only, you know, venues able to have socially distanced outdoor concerts. And so we had, you know, kind of found a loophole and got super lucky where we stayed really busy during 2020 somehow. <laughs> Thanks <laughs> that, to the bus. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's awesome. And now going into Christmas, going into the holidays, I believe that heading to your grandma Phyllis's home in Minnesota is usually a tradition. Are you going to be doing that this year? 
Yes, absolutely. Yep. I wouldn't miss that. Um, we didn't get to go last year until March. We didn't get to celebrate Christmas with the whole family until March, which was super weird. Um, but this year, I think we're on schedule. <laughs> Fingers crossed. That's awesome. And I know family means a lot to you. I mean, the, what is it? Nine hour drive from Kansas city to Nashville and the three or four hour flight. I think, you know, those two things pretty well. How many times have you done the drive? Do you know? I, I don't even know how to guess that number. It, um, before my husband was able to move to Nashville with me, who's now my manager and tour manager and, you know, photographer and bus driver and all the things, um, he ran sound for me at my show last night. (laughs) Um, uh, but before he got to move, I was making the drive like almost every other week, um, by myself with my dog, Danny, who's here, but he is very camera shy. Um, (laughs) So I made the drive by myself a ton of times. And now, um, you know, Brian and I are making 10 hour drives every weekend, if not twice a week. It's we we just got in from Chicago um, about 30 minutes ago, ran in and threw on a hat. And here I am. (laughs) (laughs) That's awesome. And with him being your manager and sort of jack of all trades, he sort of moved into that, I believe, in around 2016. He left his day job, whatever he was doing to jump in with you into the music. Now, at the time, how scary was that? But now that it's been four or five years, how much of a blessing has it been? Yeah, um, I mean, it's been a total blessing for me just to have his talents um, that he comes from a sales background and he's just so charismatic and just the best guy ever. Everybody loves Bry. And that translated over perfectly to the music industry and his just ability to learn anything in where any hat that he needs to has been incredible. I think it was definitely terrifying for him to say the least in the beginning, because he comes from a corporate day job with, you know, benefits and a 401k (laughs) and, you know, healthcare. Um, And then, so to come and work with me, um, one, I'm crazy, you know, and I'm just so spastic and, you know, I'm the creative side and that's not his you know, expertise. So I think it was, it was definitely scary for him to get into, but I think he's doing an incredible job. But that must be pretty complimentary with you having that uh, very artistic side and then him coming from more of the business side, you must complement each other very well in helping to drive your career forward. I think for sure. Um, yeah, he keeps my feet on the ground when I'm just, you know, floating in outer space, you know, daydreaming and stuff. Um, and he, he just deals with the business side of everything so much better than me. Um, and his, his sales spiel is great. I don't like to talk myself up ever. (laughs) (laughs) Um, yeah, so it's just been, I mean, it, And mainly just to be able to spend all this time with him. A lot of people would, you know, think that's crazy, but we just work so well together. And just to have him by my side for every single step of this journey has been just so special. That's awesome. And I wanted to talk about some of the other family members who have been by your side for this journey as well and what they've meant for you. And we talked about going to your grandma Phyllis's for Christmas. Now, What has she meant to your journey? I saw a clip where one Christmas she was playing the piano and you were singing along. So has she been sort of an influence for that piano playing since you were young? Yeah. um, So I'm, I'm really close with my grandparents. Um, 
on. Um, and so my grandma Phyllis is my mom's mom and that whole side of the family's from Minnesota. So that's why we go up there. But um, yeah, I grew up just listening to her playing piano, um, her and my aunt Joy, who, where I get my, the joy in my name. I was going to ask you about her next. So <laughs> yeah. So um, her and my aunt Joy and my cousin Amber, um, they all play piano. They read sheet music and know theory and all that. And I do not, I'm just by ear. Oh, um, okay. But, you know, nobody was ever um, wanting to be a performer um, or, you know, a singer beyond being in the church choir. And um, but I think I definitely got, you know, kind of an, an ear for, you know, hearing acoustic instruments um, from them. And talk about your Aunt Joy as well, who you're named after. I saw a post that you had on Instagram just talking about her strength and what she's gone through in her life and what she's been able to battle through and talk about her and the inspiration that she is as a woman, not just on the musical side. Yes. Um, yeah, she's an incredibly strong woman. She is my... Um, my mom's brother so my uncle gary's wife and we unfortunately lost him to cancer um, a few years back and just the way that she handled that and just kept the family together and stayed so strong you know for everybody else when she didn't need to um you know was just really inspiring um and she's just always such a positive super positive person she definitely lives up to her name and so I you know maybe subconsciously like that got you know passed down to me but that's awesome and of course your uncle Gary isn't someone else I wanted to talk about he passed away and you had written a song back in 2016 for him I believe what was his nickname cacti was that cacti. it and so talk about him and and what he meant to you before he passed away yeah, so that was my mom's brother, um, Uncle Gary. Um, he was, you know what? It's so funny that you ask about. I was just thinking about him the other day because we always made fun of him. He wore the dorkiest outfits. He would do Crocs and socks and plaid with stripes and just didn't give two hoots about matching. And I've started to notice, I think I'm kind of following in his foot. I mean, okay, for real, I'm wearing purple pajama pants nice. <laughs> with a cheap sweater. <laughs> but um, yeah, he was just definitely a wholeheartedly himself, um, you know, through and through um, and, honestly he reminds me a lot of Brian my husband that's awesome and now your parents the two most important people who have supported you throughout this entire journey at the beginning when you were younger what type of people were they were they musical people that sort of guided you in this direction or did you sort of pick up on music yourself when you were younger yeah, so my parents are absolutely not musical. My mom can actually harmonize a little bit. Um, but yeah, they would say like, you know, they would rather, you know, be torched than have to be on a stage and perform. But I was about five years old and I um, I found this cassette of 
Angels Among Us by Alabama. And it was the very first cassette that I ever found where on the back there was an instrumental version. And I was like, what's that mean? And so I put it in there and I'm like, there's no singing. That's for me to do. And I, you know, started practicing this obsessively in the mirror in my bedroom and, you know, brought this to my parents. I'm like, there's a talent show in Smithville, my hometown, right outside of Kansas City. And I'm like, I got to perform. And they're like, you have to what? You don't sing. We don't sing. What are you talking about? (laughs) And honestly, it was not great. We look back and watch that performance and die laughing like it was <laughs> not good. So I I don't feel like I was naturally like gifted with a voice or musical ability. I just loved the stage. I loved music. I loved the way it made me feel to perform it and to connect connect with other people through it. And so I think I just, you know, was like, well, I better work my butt off to be able to do this. And you can't sound like what I sounded like to do that. (laughs) (laughs) And so at the age of 10, you started to tour the Midwest in the country Opry circuit. Now at that point, like you say, the singing didn't necessarily come natural. So when you were 10 and started to perform within that circuit, Was it more about the performance for you than it was necessarily about the vocals? Yes. And that is something else that my mom had a big hand in was my performance. We had moves for everything. We had this studio set up downstairs, which was just burlap with my CD, my karaoke CDs on the wall. And we called that the studio, but we'd go down there every night and I would, you know, practice my songs for her and we'd be practicing the moves and they were so stupid. Like I was doing the electric slide, but you know, yeah. So the, the performance aspect was always like, you know, if you're not going to sound great, at least look great. And I guess, yeah, the singing came after. That's awesome. And so with your drive that you had back then, I mean, you know, there's some parents who are like, I want my kid to do this. So I'm going to push them towards it. But as far as you were concerned, was it more your passion that was driving this and just your parents saying, okay, if you have this passion, then we'll totally support you. It definitely started out as mine. Um, and, you know, just begging my parents to do all these weird little things I would find on the newspaper back in those days. And, um, but it's, you know, over the years, it became our passion. Uh, My parents would find me opportunities and every single thing, even if it was a cruise ship, it was, you got to go do karaoke and we're bringing my own discs because, you know, it's got to be my certain songs because you never know who's in the audience. And it didn't matter if it was in McDonald's, like it, you know, they, so they pushed me, but they knew that it was because I wanted it so bad. And I am forever grateful for that. And I saw that around the age of 12, you got a microphone for Christmas. And it was one of those ones that had the songs preloaded onto it that you could sing along to. What did that mean to you and sort of your evolution in the whole performance and singing? Yes, you did your research. (laughs) Um, Yeah, that I will never forget getting that microphone because that was, you know, the first time I got to graduate from a hairbrush to a real life microphone. Right big honker thing that had an antenna on it and it hooks up to the AM radio and it had this 
huge book of karaoke songs. And that's when I learned to sing, you know, like Unchained Melody. And um, I think Cowboy Sweetheart was on there, which was one of the first yodeling songs I ever learned. Right. And it just, you know, opened the gates to like me getting to hear my own voice by itself and get to do my own things instead of just following and, you know, trying to mimic the the artist's voice at that time. So I think that was when, you know, I got to really start putting on shows for my family and uh, I took that thing everywhere. And so when did the instruments come along for you then? When did you start to sort of learn them and move more into that sort of instrument and singing portion of your career? Yeah, so I didn't really, um, well, my parents, I, I asked them to, you know, put me in piano lessons. I thought I would love that. And I got this really ancient piano teacher who, you know, was falling asleep during the lessons and trying to teach me like Beethoven and I'm like snooze fest. Right. And so I did that for like a week, quit um, and didn't really pick up uh, playing an instrument again until like 2012. Um, when okay. my, um, yeah, so my, I was in a rock band for a long time and mm-hmm. I was just the lead singer headbanger, you know, I was writing the, the melodies and lyrics, but I had a guitarist and the rest of the band to write the music for me. So I never had to, you know, play anything or, um, and then when the band broke up, don't date the guitar player, um, <laughs> uh, when the band broke up. I was like, oh, crap, I don't know how to write my own songs by myself. Um, And so I um, immediately started working on something on piano. And it was on my grandma's piano up in Minnesota on Christmas Day. And my grandma has since now gifted me that piano, which is awesome. This fail on. That is so cool. And the rock band, I wanted to talk about that because you talk about sort of the country influence growing up and those country songs that you came across and that you found. But then you started a rock band. I believe it was called In Like. Yeah. And it like it seems like you got pretty big. You played Warp Tour at least once. Now, was that sort of a win your way on sort of thing? Or how did that come about playing Warp Tour? You know what? I'm sure it was some sort of contest. I seriously do not even remember how. I remember when we got the email and I was at school in high school and I remember like screaming, because <laughs> I was such a, you know, emo kid back then. Right. And so I was, that was the biggest like dream come true at that time for all of us. <laughs> And so you mentioned don't play, don't date the guitar player. Was that a band that like you had aspirations of doing more or was it just sort of a high school fling sort of th- something to do in music while you were in high school? You know, I think at the time I really thought it was going to go somewhere. And I thought that, you know, rock was going to be my heart and, um, I think it had a lot to do with um, I had been going to the School of Rock before that because the right. Radio Disney opportunity, it's a long story, but it ended up turning into the School of Rock. So I went from pop music to rock and I basically just always did any opportunity that was in front of me. I just kind of tried everything. And um, in Kansas City, there's not as many musical opportunities as, you know, being in like Nashville or something. And so right. 
if rock music is the only thing in front of me, I'm going to be a rock star. And so I, you know, I was wholeheartedly into that for a long time. And it wasn't until that band broke up and um, I, I started writing country music again. And, you know, I think that's where my voice just sits. It's where my heart sits and it's where I can, you know, have the freedom to like really storytell. Right. And now we saw Cassidy Pope this year sort of bring out her emo side within her country music. Is that something that maybe we could see you doing in the future is bringing back that rock more to your country music? You know, maybe for sure. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I kind of can't say no. It's I feel like little emo and like rock vibes are always going to pop out. I mean, so Senses Fail, uh, my latest single. Yeah. Yeah. Um, there's actually a, an emo band called Senses Fail that I listened to in high school. And when I was writing the song, it just somehow worked that the hook and like the final, you know, part of the chorus landed on, oh my gosh, Senses Fail. And that was the band that I was listening to during this situation that I'm writing about. And it was like this weird, like total emo, like dramatic moment, <laughs> but full circle. That's awesome. That's, I find it great that, you know, you go from pop to rock and then you're in country. It's a really fun journey that you were able to sort of hit all the different areas. And I want to ask you sort of based around the music, you did go to university to study education. Now, at that point, it seems like you were pretty focused on doing whatever music you could do to make music a career. So when you went to university, what was it that didn't just make you jump at music and just go full bore into music, but take that little break to get a degree? So I had actually never planned on going to college. I honestly like really hated school minus the social part and the sports. I was super into sports. Right. Um, but the, the, the brains part, no, thank you. And so I never planned to go to college. And then I got offered a track scholarship and it was at a college close to where I grew up. Um, and I thought, you know, I was in the, the rock band at the time. And so I was still doing shows and writing with them um, and working at the school of rock. So I was still very involved with music, oh, okay. um, but then, you know, able to have something not as a backup plan. I don't like to call it a backup plan because <laughs> this is the only plan, but like if a ninja star comes out of the sky and punches me in the throat and I can't sing or something, you know, right. like to, <laughs> Oh, that's awesome. And so in 2015 was when you started to sort of make the transition to Nashville. Now, when you went there in June of 2015 to start tracking an EP, how did sort of the connections, how did you make those connections and how did it all come about that you wound up traveling there to start recording? Yeah, I had um, gone to Nashville and um, Met some people, met um, a producer, Jim Lightman um, and J.B. Cannon, and they had a studio and, um, you know, had, had done some research on me over, I want, they couldn't have been MySpace. I don't know why I'm thinking MySpace. There's no <laughs> way. That was like eons ago. Um, but they found me somewhere and, um, you know, had me come in and play some of my stuff. And I ended up getting really lucky. Um 
I, oh, I, I did a Kickstarter um, to be able to fund that. So I, I raised, I think, $20,000. Um, and then I was able to get some really good session players like Rich Redman, um, who plays for Jason Aldean and Kyle Cook from Matchbox 20. Um, and so it was, it was a really cool experience, especially for it being my first like intro to Music City. Yeah, exactly. And playing with those players, going to record your EP and sort of the realization that country was the was the spot for you, not rock, not pop, but it was going to be country. How was that time in Nashville and just getting integrated and realizing that this is where you wanted your career to go? Yeah, I think actually with with that first EP, Love on Repeat, I think I was still kind of trying to figure out what I was going to be. And when I listen back to it, I still love those songs. I'm so proud of that EP, but it's definitely more poppy than what I'm releasing now. I right. think, I, you know, I kind of think Nashville and, you know, the time that I spent out on Broadway and then the time on The Voice has kind of made me more country <laughs> and just made me like really latch onto that and embrace it. Um, and I think it's, it feels more authentic to me too. I mean, but I do love to dance too. So I'm still going to throw some like poppy stuff in there sometimes, but <laughs> that's <laughs> great. Like the beat drop sometimes. Yeah, exactly. And there was a time when you first got to Nashville, you had a quote on your social media. Thanks Nashville for letting my dreams feed me for another night. Now, I love that quote, because is that sort of the mindset that you have to have in this career is sort of day by day. And I made it another day of doing what I love. And now I'm going to look forward to the next day and not, you know, getting too far ahead of yourself in the dreams that you have and what you want to do, but always realizing that for today, I lived my dream. Yep. Yeah, definitely. Um, I mean, it's a tough lifestyle. It's, you have to be grateful for the little things and celebrate those little victories because big, huge victories, like, you know, winning a Grammy or doing the Super Bowl halftime, like those are very rare for <laughs> a lot of people and I'm still waiting. Um, <laughs> you know, so you have to be able to celebrate those little victories, like, you know, a certain number of plays on something or, you know, views on a video or, you know, um, it's just really important that you do kind of stay in the moment because this lifestyle is so up and down. I mean, some days you really are just trying to make enough tips to get out of the parking garage. <laughs> right. And in 2016, June of 2016 was one of the highs that you had in your career. And that's when you had the cover of the Johnny and June song with Woody James that you posted on social media. Now, was that the first time that you sort of felt the power of social media? Yes, that came out of nowhere. So even back in the in like days, we were trying so hard to make a viral video <laughs> and then, you know, nothing ever hit. I think one got like 13,000. We were like, we've made it. Um, but then, you know, years later, Woody and I are, we had been singing Jackson um, when we'd play at Tootsie's or Rippy's or wherever on Broadway. Right. And it would go over really well because Woody sounds, you know, 
almost exactly like Johnny Cash. He nails it. Um, and we, he came over one night, we're all just kind of sitting around playing music with our friends on the porch. And, you know, we've had a couple drinks. We're a little buzzed and we're like, you know what, let's set up the tripod and film Jackson. And it was such bad quality. I had to put it in black and white because it was such low lighting. I was like, this looks like crap to post, you know, it's gotta be black and white. And I posted it from my bar stool at Honky Tonk Central on like a Thursday at two o'clock. And my phone is just, I'm like, what like did is something in the background I didn't know about that like <laughs> you know it was crazy though I mean it's something you like cannot recreate I do not know why it you know why why which ones go when they do but I'm grateful <laughs> and was it because of that video that the opportunity on the voice came about um so the voice actually saw my video of Jolene on my okay. YouTube channel. And um, they said, we're still looking for our um, female country princess for the season. You know, they kind of know what they are, what slots they're still needing to fill um, for each season. And they said, if you can be to LA in two days, which I was in Minnesota, I'm always in Minnesota. It sounds <laughs> like. Um, I was on vacation in Minnesota. And we ended up having to drive me two hours to Minneapolis to fly to LAX. And it was a crazy, crazy ordeal. So did that give you confidence going in, in the fact that they contacted you? It wasn't that you went to try out and stood in line for hours. They actually reached out to you. Did that give you confidence going into the auditions? It definitely did. Um, and I had tried out a number of times for all the shows. And, you know, each time I would get like one round farther before I'd get, you know, the old wristband snip. And um, and I had kind of written them off. I was like, you know, I, I just don't think I'm, you know, vibrant enough when I walk in there and maybe that's just not the route for me. Um, and right when I had kind of written it off was when they called me and it was, that's pretty crazy how that all went down. How did that help you grow as an artist? What did you learn on that show that you've taken with you throughout the last few years of your career? I think a lot of the, the main things that I learned were things that had to do with like branding and marketing yourself and I took a lot from the the fashion and the wardrobe ladies and um, hair and makeup um, just all the training that they give you uh, behind the scenes like the choreography that you know I didn't know that was a thing when you're not actually doing dance moves but you have marks you're gonna go and hit and I just thought all that just getting to learn that behind the scenes was so cool um, and one of the biggest things that I took away were the vocal lessons that you get behind the scenes. And I still, to this day, use my vocal warm up that Tamara Beattie, who was my coach on the show, um, that she let me have. And it was a game changer for me. That's awesome. And over the last few years since then, you've really hit it hard with a live performance and you perform a lot. And so how important has that been for you to take that opportunity and be able to push forward really hard and be sure that you get out there and continue to have your name out there and not sort of sit back and, and wait for the opportunities to come to you because of that one opportunity. Right. Well, I think 
looking back on 2020 is a good way to keep the fire under you now. I We have been so busy because we're so paranoid that it can all be taken away again. And so we have been yes people all year and it's kind of made our traveling crazy. Like we're just, we just went to from Kansas City to Wisconsin, back to Kansas City. And then we just did Chicago and now we go to Arizona next. And it's just, we're all over the place, but we're just, you know, yes, 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 yes. Anywhere we can play. That's awesome. And your new single is Census Fail. And you also have Namaste. And those were both produced by Mark, David and Justin. Now, are those part of a bigger a bigger group of music that you produced with them as well that we might see in an EP or an album? Yeah, that is the goal. Um, I am hoping to release a bigger work um, type of work. We'll figure that out. EP or album um, in 2022. That's crazy to say. I know. Hey, It's going to be another year. It's crazy. (laughs) And with senses fail, and The Money. Those are two songs that you released that you wrote on your own. So over the last couple of years, what has the writing process looked like for you? Um, It's been kind of a lot of writing by myself, just, you know, with the whole pandemic and everything. I've been um, writing a lot by myself and I love to write by myself, but there's also something, you know, that you can't get by yourself with, you know, writing with other people. I, I would not have come up with all of the, the lines in Namaste without my buddies, Zach and Michelle. Um, and Zach is actually my guitar player in my band. And he also, um, produced poor angel and then also winter wonderland that I just released. Right. Um, it was fun to get to write with friends, um, and people that you, you know, really vibe with. Um, I think that's how you get, you know, the best material is, is just having that good vibe where you can like just let everything out and be weird. And, you know, that's how the good stuff sticks. Yeah, exactly. And you do a lot of charity work. How important is that for you to use your platform to help others? Yeah. Um, kids and animals are my big one. Um, I am just a huge advocate for, you know, being the microphone for people who don't have a voice themselves. So um, anything with children's welfare, animal welfare, animal rescue is my, my big end all be all. Um, And so, yeah, anytime anybody asks if I am around and I can make it happen, I'll make it happen. And over the years, you've talked about sort of your self-confidence. I saw in 2017, after The Voice, you had a post about really taking control of your self-confidence. And within this career that you can be so judged about, you know, you can be judged on your looks, your music, really anything, because you're putting yourself out there. What has that journey been like for you in gaining that self-confidence and really being able to take it forward day to day? Yeah, it. That's something that I have to constantly remind myself about um, and to just, you know, always be mindful of, you know, not scrolling Instagram for too long because it's you get into the, you know, the comparison game and, you know, they say comparison is the thief of joy. And um, but I, I'm definitely guilty of that sometimes, you know, I could have I, I made another post about this was, you know, I had one of the coolest 
shows ever, I surprised a bunch of kids at uh, my old elementary school and they're all crying and I'm crying tears of joy. It's amazing. They made me feel so cool. I go home, I look at Instagram for one second and I'm about to have a mental breakdown because somebody else got a bunch of likes. I'm like, what? is that? That's so dumb. And so it's, you know, it's a constant battle all the time when you are putting everything out there and you're expecting everyone to like you back, which is not possible for, you know, you're not going to be everybody's cup of tea. So it is, it's something you, you know, always have to remind yourself of. And you do put yourself out there quite a bit on social media. You're uh, involved in really letting people know about your life. And so how much of a balance is that in these days? You almost have to create that content, right? It's, it's a part of the game now is how many followers you have. And so what kind of balance in, is that in creating that content so you do get the followers but not getting stuck in that trap of every day. Oh, I have to create content. I have to create content. I have to create content. Right. That is another thing I really struggle with is, you know, I'll get, I'll be gung ho and, you know, it helps if my plans are already exciting. Like if I get to sing at the chiefs game, then it's like, Whoa, I got some content for that day. Um, but on days where like, I do not want to put on makeup and I do not want to change my sweatpants and well, like right now I'm in my pajama pants. (laughs) Um, you know, it is hard. And I, it's hard to not feel like you're losing a whole entire day of being relevant on social media, but that is a good way to have burnout. You know, if, if you don't give yourself some days to like have some privacy and, you know, sometimes it's okay to make tacos and not document every step of it. And I do feel guilty about it, but I just, sometimes I want to make my tacos alone. (laughs) Yeah. It's kind of like if you make a taco and don't post it, did you really make a taco? Right. Well, and so I'm always like, Oh, I got to post real quick. So grandma doesn't think I'm dead. (laughs) Cause if I don't post to my story, she's texting my mom is Cass. Okay. Thank you once again so much for listening and thank you to Cassie for stopping by and sharing her story. Be sure to check out her new singles, Census Fail and Winter Wonderland, wherever you stream your music. Please also be sure to like, share, follow, subscribe to us wherever you are listening. And please come back each and every week for new and exciting episodes with your favorite country music artists. Thanks once again for listening and we'll see you next time on Country Music Made Me. (laughs) 